most people who lose weight gain it back. Over 95% of people who lose weight gain it back, which is crazy because if you think about it, close to 70% of the country is overweight or obese. So with over 95% of people gaining it back, I mean, the numbers are just insane to think about. So what I won't really want to spread the message about is how do we lose weight and keep it off and support each other in the process? Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman. And there's a quote by Jackie Robinson that becomes more relevant to me by the day. A life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. Jackie changed America when he became the first African-American to break the color line in baseball and jumpstart the civil rights movement. That was nearly 72 years ago to the day, April 15, 1947. A life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. Today's podcast really plays into that quote. It's about a newly created business that I believe can be of great benefit to many lives. And it simultaneously overlaps with where my life is headed. Little explanation. Regular listeners of Big Questions will know that I did something, well, a little bit crazy not long ago. I've been a writer out on my own for nearly all of my life, basically moving from adventure to adventure. No real strategy, purely improvisational. But now that I'm starting a business, I found myself in the position of being a CEO. I'm having to learn the skills as I go, and I'll be the first to admit I haven't been very good at it. When some very successful entrepreneurs called me out and asked me to find the best CEO in myself over a dinner, I responded in a way that was clear proof that I'm not a very wise CEO. The next evening, I announced during a speech that I would step up to the challenge by bringing in $1 million in new revenue to my company by the end of May. A million bucks, what? And why May? Well, there's a good reason for that. Because Million Dollar May is a much better title for a story than Million Dollar November. Of course, I had no idea how I was going to bring in this revenue, but the beauty is, by explaining all this on my podcast last week with the psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin, I touched a lot of really smart listeners who immediately emailed in advice like this from Paul Wickberg, Executive Vice President for Sales at the Software Motor Company. You need OKRs, Paul texted me first thing in the morning. OKRs? That's Objectives and Key Results, which is a goal system used by Google. Perhaps I'll do an entire podcast on OKRs down the road. I'm going to need them. Christina Aw of California had some smart questions for me, along with some great suggestions. Among them, how many bookings do you need to meet your goal? Do all the engagements have to be completed by May 31st or just booked? Further define the parameters, Cal. Clarity leads to the next action item. Well, Christina, I'm crazy, but not crazy enough to think I could book and perform all the storytelling workshops and talks by May 31st. Simply booking them by the end of May will be 10 miracles. But Christina's question got me to thinking, what if I looked at this through the lens of Cal the writer, not the lens of Cal reacting to the CEO challenge? Cal the writer would never have looked at it through the lens of a million dollars. Cal the writer would have looked at the mission like this. I want to make a positive impact on 100 companies. I want to help 100 companies tell their stories so that they can grow, so that the people who work at those companies can improve their lives, so that the people who purchase the product created by that company can be enriched. Which circles back to that Jackie Robinson quote. A life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. So, following Christina's advice, let me state my goal very clearly. I want to help 100 companies tell their stories better. 
I want to help 100 companies drive their revenues through the roof. I want to help the people at these companies use stories to make their presentations better. I want to help companies set up a storytelling culture so that the folks in sales departments get to hear the stories, the great stories, that are locked off in other silos. I want to show companies how the power of storytelling can get through the blizzard of information that's being created every day and swirling around the internet. I want to help people at these companies love storytelling so much so that they take it home and have storytelling nights with their kids. 100 companies. I want to change 100 companies through storytelling. That is my mission at the start. And it starts right now with a company that can help you lose weight through storytelling. That's right. This company doesn't make pills, doesn't advocate a diet, doesn't ask you to do brutal workouts. It simply asks you to listen to people's stories so you can use tips that might work best for you to lose unwanted weight without restricting yourself because restricting certain foods only makes you want the more, which is why 95% of diets simply don't work. You take the weight off, and after you do, it comes back like a yo-yo. Sometimes even more weight comes back than you took off in the first place. The theme behind this company is the reverse approach because it works the opposite way that a restrictive diet works. It asks you to change the habits that you feel comfortable changing. The more habits you change, the more you like yourself, the more weight you take off. The basic premise behind the reverse approach can be used by everybody, but the people who have the most to gain from it are people who have the most weight to lose. So if you know someone who's really overweight, please pass this podcast on to them. One of the things I've learned while looking into the reverse approach is that even when we're very friendly with people who are overweight, the subject tends to not come up. The fact is, if we really care about one another, the best thing we can do is talk out our feelings about it. It's a deep conversation, but it will make us both more comfortable. The guy behind the reverse approach, Mordechai Wiener, has talked to a lot of people who've lost hundreds of pounds. In fact, Mordecai himself dropped from 330 to less than 200. I know him for a couple of years now. Everything he's designed in his program comes from his own experience. He's lived what he's talking about. So check out Reclaim Your Body Summit. You can find it at reclaimyourbodysummit.com. It's an internet experience that takes place between May 6th and May 12th. Check it out and change your life or the life of someone you know who'd like to lose weight. Spread the word. Spread it as fast as one of my sponsors is growing. That means WeWork. WeWorks are sprouting up everywhere, which means you'll be able to find just the kind of office space you need. I've got a global access pass, which means that I can get space wherever I go. If I need an office with a sliding door, they got it. Conference room? Yes, sir. Podcast space, theater space. Absolutely. WeWork has got it. Check it out and go to www.we.co slash cal for a 20% discount. I've connected with a lot of smart people simply getting a glass of water at WeWork. One idea in a passing conversation at WeWork can be worth more than what it would cost you for space over 10 years. Who knows? Maybe a hundred. So find out why I call WeWork my home away from home. And Sportique. I'm in my Sportique hoodie and sweats as I record this intro. That's because when I'm in my Sportique threads, I'm comfortable. There's a reason why guys go to the hospital to welcome their newborn kids wearing Sportique because they want those babies to feel the softness and comfort of Sportique when they get their first hug. And there's a reason why people have worn Sportique sweats when they go through chemotherapy, because it's a blessing to be comfortable when you have to go through such discomfort. I'm not reading off ad copy like a lot of other podcasters. I'm telling you about a product and a company I love and threads I wear at some point every day. Go to sportique.com and see why 
Kevin, the manager, sleeps in his Sportique sweatpants and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. Treat yourself or someone you care about to some Sportique threads because after you listen to the rest of this podcast, you might just take off some unwanted pounds or watch someone you really care about shed that excess weight. So let's go straight to Mordecai Wiener and the reverse approach. My man, <laughs> Mordecai, how you doing? Feeling great. You look fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. So do you. I mean, at one point, you were what, 334 or 35 pounds? 330. 330. Oh, I was putting weight on you. Putting weight on me. <laughs> <laughs> and now you are last weighed in you know, at? Last time I weighed in, I was 197. That was about three, four months ago. And you don't look at the scale uh, very often. You know, my scale is in a box under my bed. And I rarely weigh myself. It's just something that I've, you know, at this point, I don't really think about it much. Everybody who loses weight, that's all they think about is the scale. Whether if it, they're not losing enough or if they're gaining, it's the scale on their mind. If they're ballooning upward, it's a scale that's on their mind. And you have managed to throw the scale out of the equation which to me is a symbol of the way you have radically departed from most other people in the weight loss game. You're not about diets. You do things completely different and you're on a mission to change the way the world thinks about this. Have I got that right? You have, absolutely. And you know, it's, um, it's something that I really, I'm really passionate about and it's, um, something that I definitely wanna have an impact in. And in regards to the scale, you know, I used to weigh myself every single day until I realized a pound up, a pound down, a pound up. It, it was usually depressing news going on. Yeah, because when you're three, if it's 328 or 327, are you going to feel much better if you're 327? And, and then what's the benefit if you lost a pound? So here's the thing. If you try and lose weight, you get on the scale and you're up a pound, then you feel guilty. And then you're like, either one or two things you're thinking, I need to lose weight. So you go on an extreme diet. Or you feel bad about it and like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever I want anyways because I gained a pound or two. Oh, right? so that's going to send you up six. I exactly. So it's, and then if you lost a pound or two, you can be like, hey, I'm losing weight. I can eat, I can eat, I can be more lenient. <laughs> oh, no. So what's the... Let's go get an ice cream. Yes. Yeah, so what's the real benefit? You know, so the, I, th I think, I think for some people find the benefit in knowing that they're on track and it's a great way to measure. And I think for a long time, I, that was, that was the way I thought about it as well. And I, and I used a scale to measure that. And then... At some point, I realized that the real measuring stick for was feeling good to see how I felt in my body, how, what the, you know, being really connected to the way you know the food was making me feel, as opposed to the way the scale was making me feel. And then I started just tracking myself once a month for a long time. Are you a different person now than you were at the age of seven, after coming through <laughs> all this weight loss and? I mean, you've been battling this for your whole life, Yeah. correct? Yeah, sure. Are you the same person or are you different in a way? It's a good question. I mean, I'm definitely the same guy. Definitely the same guy. I'm seeing you at seven years old in a movie. What am I looking at? I'm looking at a happy-go-lucky day kid, not knowing that anything was wrong or different, just, just a little bigger than everybody else. I, didn't, I don't think I realized at that point that I had any type of challenge with my way. I think it kind of came also close to, probably close to the age of 10. What happened then? I think I just started having more trouble in school and um, more noticeable trouble. And I think the emotions of all that, you know, coming from school after, after our, you know, getting kicked out or... But what does that have to do with your weight? Ah, so my mom, my, so I don't want to blame my mom. You know, it's like everything is pointing back at her. I feel bad. But um, I mean, my, my mom dealt with her um, emotions with food. She was an emotional eater. And um, when I would come home from school, she would cook whatever, when I was feeling bad or, you know. So she would want to make you feel better through food. Yeah, that's so how she showed her love through making sure that we always went to school with really big lunches. You know, we always had, came home to lots of dinner, and she just showed her love through cooking us delicious food. 
Man. And obviously when you're a kid, you're just loving the food. You don't, you have no idea where this is taking you. Yeah, no, no. And what happens like 13, 14, puberty hits and it's a time where boys and girls are really looking at each other. What's going on with your body then? You know, I was, I grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home. So they, we kept, everything's pretty separate. Um, we, we, I went to an all boys school um, for until I was, yeah, all my life. So I, I, I don't know. So there wasn't much of an issue. That wasn't as much, as much of an issue as I felt isolated and disconnected from my peers, from the kids in school. That was more of an issue for me. Because they were svelte and you weren't? Well, they, they were, I, I just got picked on a lot because of, of my weight. Yeah, I called a lot of names, made fun of a lot, and it caused a lot of ripples of like, you know, just acting out in class, causing trouble, trying to get attention, you know, trying to get people to like me through, you know, being, being funny, using my humor to, to draw people in. And that just caused me to get kicked out of school and caused the emotional, you know, the emotional circuit. So do you think if you had been skinny at that age that you wouldn't have done all that? You wouldn't have gotten kicked out of school. That was your weight. That was. I think I can't. I, I, I'm not sure which one was a bigger problem because the truth. I got. Man, I got kicked out of school in first grade. So I mean, it definitely wasn't necessarily. I think I was just. I was just a trouble kid. I think I. I so later on in life, I found out that I, I feel a lot, and I, I, I. If I connect to pain, I can. As a kid, I'm expressing that pain. So at home, I'm connecting to the pain of weight and struggle around emotional, uh, you know, emotional eating, um, addiction and um, stress around money and all these things I carry, I think I carried with me and it's acted out to try to get attention and get help. That's what an energy worker told me. Wow. I found that interesting. So at this point, you're going through these, this turmoil. Is there a period where you realize, I got to turn this around? I'm not feeling comfortable in these clothes. I'm not feeling comfortable when I put on clothes and they don't fit. I mean, you had even told me once, and and it made perfect sense when you told me, but it was nothing that a person who grew up skinny would ever think. Where you'd walk into a room at a certain point and you'd look at the chairs to see if the chairs could support you. Will I sit down and will this chair break? Will I be laughed at? And I think most skinny people don't think that heavyset people go through that every day. But I know you did. At what point did you know that this has just got to be reversed? That's a, that's a good question. I think when I was like 13 or 14, I think that's when I started trying to lose weight, started going on diets, trying to lose weight. My mom was a big advocate. She's like, let's do it together because she also wants to lose weight. So we used to go to Weight Watchers, the other one we were 10 when I was 11 or 12 years old and, you know, go on these crash diets. My mom was taking Herbalife, trying to, you know, try, trying to lose weight herself. And um, I think the first time I really had a big break was when I was 15 years old. Um, my parents sent me to a, a boarding school in, um, in, in Buffalo. I remember going on the Atkins diet and I took the train to Buffalo from Detroit and um, I brought a suitcase full of meat with me because on the Atkins diet, as you know, I'm sure it's all protein. So I was like, if I found that on the Atkins diet, I met somebody who obviously was successful on the Atkins diet. I was like, wow, I can eat meat all day long and lose weight. I'm like, this is great. So I was going to school. So I brought all this meat with me, kosher, of course, and, um, and went to school and, and I lost like 60 pounds in a matter of- Just eating meat. Just eating meat, even though it wasn't, it wasn't like necessarily the healthiest meats even. It was like hot dogs sometimes, you know. You can eat like six hot dogs. And I can How think. did you like pack all these hot dogs and stuff and keep them frozen? Froze it. Yeah, froze it in the freezer before I went. Took it on the train and brought it to school. <laughs> froze it there? <laughs> it was frozen. It kept, I mean, it's a four-hour train ride okay. from, from, from Detroit to Buffalo. So, yeah, and it stuck, stuck in the freezer and just started eating meat every day. Wake up, get a George Foreman out, throw a bunch of hot dogs in. For lunch, throw a bunch of hamburgers in. For dinner, it's like, you know, steak. I did it just rinse and repeat every day. And, and, and I lost lots of weight on the, on the Atkins diet. And so is that a solution? Because one thing I hear about diets is they don't work. And if they did, 
they, you wouldn't have to keep finding new ones because if they worked, they worked. But we always seem to be looking for the newest diet. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I mean, it's school. Every, after I had success in the Atkins diet, everyone else went on the Atkins diet. Like, every, all the kids went on the Atkins diet. Like, I, not even once wanted to lose, like, 20 or 30 pounds. I never knew this. So you were leading the way even back then in, in terms of diet and the way we look at ourselves. I was trying to find a solution. I was, just af- I was after it. Okay, so you lose the 60 pounds. Did you feel good at that point? I felt great. Every time I would lose 50 or 60 pounds, I felt great. And um, the Atkins diet was my quick pill. You know, it was like something that I saw worked and it was easy enough and something that I enjoyed. And I'm like, well, I can do this. But at some point, you just can't eat meat after six months. Your body, for me, I just didn't feel like, you know, I was getting some acid reflux. It just never felt great. Um, and, and then you want to eat a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then you want to eat a potato and, then, you know, you want a little piece of bread. And it's not sustainable in a way because you're restricting yourself. So eventually the weight came back on. And um, what did that feel like after you like knocked it all down? And now your body wasn't going to be able to do that again, was it? Just eat it meat? It was, sure. I, I, did it, I did it two years later and lost 100 pounds. So it's like a cycle of like, oh, wow, you know, you gained the weight back. What are, you, you, it's so easy, I feel like, when you're overweight or you want to lose weight that, to forget what works and what doesn't work. You know, it's like, Every day you wake up and you're like, I got this. Today's a new day. It's going to be perfect. I'm going to keep all, all my promises to myself. I'm going to keep everything I say I'm going to do. So you, it's very easy to forget. And I think the weight comes back on slowly and gradually until a point where you're frustrated and things don't fit anymore and you're not feeling great and your energy is low. And then you're like, all right, time to try another thing. And either there's a new fad diet around which often there was, and I would try a different diet. And oh, that one's the wrong one. That one doesn't work. The South Beach, no, nah, they're just crazy people. You go back to the one that worked. Oh, man. And they're like, okay, so this is, it's not going to ever be the solution. It will be for a while. And then you're going to put it back on and you'll either use it again or go to a different diet and lose the weight and then it'll come back on. It's sort of like a yo-yo syndrome. Yeah. It's, it's, essentially, it's, and you get and you get burnt out, and you get it's it's a very saddening process because during the time you're you're you know I was feeling like what's the way out of this you know what's and and you know for me my point of reference was seeing my mom struggle and I was like wow is this what I'm is this what I'm up against like is this what you know she's still struggling and she's in her fifties you know and, and oh, I, you're seeing your I'm future. seeing her I'm seeing my future in front of my eyes and seeing like wow so this is what like we're so similar, this is what it's gonna, this is my, what my life is gonna look like. And seeing how difficult life was for her as a 50 year old being so overweight was terrifying. And so when did you start to make new moves to change that future? Well, I think I was constantly trying with, with all the diets I was on. Um, so that was the only way. That was the only way I knew. Diet, right? I knew, I'm like, all right, you go on a diet, you lose, I, I still, you know, every once in a while, someone say lifestyle change, and you'd be like, "What is that? What do you even mean, lifestyle change? How do you change your lifestyle? Like, what is that? It's like saying have more fun. Like, it didn't make there was no like mechanics there that made sense. Go on a diet and you follow this program and you lose weight. It just makes I understood that. But you know, and someone say lifestyle change, even though not knowing what they meant now, it just wasn't explained well, or I didn't take the time to understand it. I understand now what it means, but yeah, you're just going you're just going back to what you know and trying another program to get other results, thinking that there is a diet out there, that if I find this diet and I can stick to it, then I'm good. But you're never gonna find that diet. Never gonna find that diet. But I only learned through going through all the diets and losing gaining all How the way. How many diets did you go through? All of them, I don't know, I never took inventory, but many diets. Okay, so at that point, when is the point that you realize, you know, there's got to be a different way here. The, the diets aren't going to do it for me. Was there a single moment that that transformation started? Yeah, there was a there was a clear moment um, where, man, I was. This is when I was 330 pounds, uh, 330 pounds, feeling like I, I I just got so heavy. It was a complete. It was heavier than I've ever been. And um, now at this point, we should point out you're a very successful business person. Correct? I was, we, yes. I was, so, oh, you're a successful guy. Thank you, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, but I, I want to get to this back and forth, this yin and yang of being successful and yet feeling 
unsuccessful just because your body was not feeling successful. What What is that like? Yeah, and I think, so for a long time, so when I was 20 years old, I just got back from school and um, started my first business. And during that time, I just finished losing 100 pounds. It came off of like a, of like a stint. I was, in, um, I was studying abroad in Israel and um, I, I lost 100 pounds on the Atkins diet and <laughs> moved to Brooklyn to continue college. And um, I, started, I, I stumbled into this business idea and started a business. And for the first time in my life, saw real money. Like I was like, wow, this is like, this is so much fun to make money. And during that time, I just took my eye off my weight because I was so focused on, on, the, on business. the business. And the business yeah. was consuming me because these opportunities were like dropping on my lap. Um, and while was, the business was consuming you, you were consuming a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a lot of calls to the deli, ordering food late at night to the office, nine, 10 o'clock, midnight, just like burning the midnight oil, just really working some days, two, three days back to back. It's like, you know, you're 21 years old, you just can put in a lot of time. And I just was building this company. I, I couldn't believe that I was doing this. Uh, and that was another itch that I had to scratch in my life just because I felt like, you know, some money was something that I always desired growing up. I didn't have it. And then I finally had it. I was like, I completely lost track of the hundred pounds I just lost because I didn't even pay it. I thought, oh, that's great. Like, you know, like I said, if you, the, the, the brain that forgets. And um, I'm just, you know, working really hard now, you know, with all these new um, responsibilities and employees and payroll and, you know, all the things that come with running a company. And um, while, I'm, while I'm having a good time doing that, I'm putting on the pounds quicker than I can remember. And, um, and then all of a sudden you see yourself at 3.30. Well, so that, so that, so that fast forward about six years, um, you know, 100 plus employees running this company and um, feeling a lot of satisfaction, the fact that I built this company up to where it was at and um, completely neglecting my body though in the process. And I would try diets and lose weight in between, but it would never stick and it was short-lived. It was like two months, but the discipline and willpower only got me so far with all the responsibilities that I had. And um, one morning um, I got out of bed and just looked in the mirror and as I stood there, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, how did you get so big? What, what, what happened? And I felt a sense of like deep um, shame. So this is this is what this is this is what you're gonna do. Like you're just gonna. And I realized that I just kept repeating the cycle over and over again. And as I stood there, it felt it was like shame for a moment. And then there was this like moment of clarity where I was I was like, wow, all my life I'm I've been I've been chasing this like external validation of people approving me and people accepting me. And I realized that I was on these crash diets. Why was I going on the crash diets? I asked myself to be accepted and to be, feel good. And- um, So you thought people saw you differently? I thought that's why no one liked me growing up and I was bullied and made fun of in school because I was this this fat kid. Right, so if you were fat, you were not gonna be liked. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of the business that I had. So I thought people liked me because I I was financially well off and I had this company and I was the boss and I hired all, all my friends and all these other people. So I got a lot of you know love from that, but it wasn't the real thing. And I can sense that something was missing. And I realized that moment that I was doing this for other people and not for myself. And I was completely neglecting myself in the process. And I realized that yo-yo diets, I'm like, and I had this moment where I was like, maybe dieting is the problem. Like I never really took time to investigate this question. Like, why am I, why am I continuously gaining the weight back? I never took time to understand why aren't the diets working? I'm like, for business, I read, you know, hundreds of business books to help me understand what to do. No one really taught me how to run a business. And, you know, you know entrepreneur, you get stumbled into something and you just figure it out as you go along. But I read a lot of books along the way. And with my weight, I never really liked health books. I never ate vegetables. I mean, I never liked health books. And I never thought about it. And I'm like, I'm like, who, I'm like who do I know who's lost weight, who kept it off? And that started, that got me thinking like who, you know, what books can I read on people who've actually had had a successful weight loss journey, transformed their lives, feel good, and, and they kept it off for more than a day. And where did that lead you? So it's funny enough in the question, I was like, I had, I had, a, I made a commitment to myself that I'm just going to do this for myself. I'm like, you know what? Take the pressure off just one day at a time. There's no, there's no more rush to try to lose as quickly as possible. Just, you know. We're gonna, so this is gonna be a lifelong of figuring this out. Just be patient with yourself. That was kind of my 
you know, my shame turned into commitment very quickly. I was like, I'm sad, but I can do it. I figured out business. I can figure out this. A little while later, a good friend recommended a book um, called The Gabriel Method by this guy, John Gabriel, who is a successful entrepreneur. And he was on Wall Street doing really well for himself. And someone, um, and it's kind of similar story to me where he was working really hard and stressed out from work and the financial responsibilities and just put on a lot of weight. He ended up being like 430 pounds or something, 440 pounds. And he ended up losing 220 pounds and came up with this entire, you know, the, the lifestyle change that everyone used to tell me about, but didn't really understand how to do it. He actually, you know, had a roadmap how to do it. Not only did he have a roadmap, he created a positive frame of reference. I was like, wow, this guy, I can see myself in him. He's a successful entrepreneur. And I'm like, he's lost weight and kept it off. Like first time someone I meet loses weight and keeps it off in a healthy way, not on a diet. I'm like, well, something, there's something here. And that got me thinking about all the things I knew about weight loss, you know, the meditation, the visualization, dealing with emotional, you know, childhood traumas and all the things he talks about in his book really gave me all these new reference points. And I felt, a, I felt new air, you know, breathed into me. So we are living in a society where more and more people are becoming overweight more and more people are going to understand the experience that you were going through. How would you direct those people to move forward in the direction that, that they want? Because I know you're starting a company that is going to help overweight people lose the weight in a way that it will stay off. But the idea is, what's really unique about this is it's other overweight people who are making the rules. And so everybody can look at it and say, yeah, they know how to do it because they did it and it stayed off. So where does that start? What are the new rules? Well, I mean, the, the new, I think the new rules are the personal preference, but the new rules are how somebody wants to approach it. I mean, I think the most important thing that someone could look at if they're starting out on their journey, is what their motivation is. It's really uncomfortable to be overweight. It's very uncomfortable if you're, you know, 50 or 100 pounds overweight or 200 pounds overweight. And overweight's subjective, right? It's like, what is overweight? You know, it's a personal, it's a personal thing. And I think understanding why you want to lose weight to, in the first place is really getting connected to that is really important because diets sell short-term gratification. Right? And it's the, it's the culture we live in. We want everything really quickly. Everything's delivered quickly to us. We get everything really fast. We want to lose weight really fast. But generally, you know, we're, we're overweight because of emotional patterns that we have. And we're overweight because of our habits that we have around food and you know, weight, our lifestyles. And you can't change that in a day or a month or six months. And a diet is going to promise you that you can change it in three months and lose 50 pounds. And you could but you'll gain it back. And until someone goes through that or has a positive frame of reference of what's possible, there isn't much, you know, there's no way to understand that, right? So, so to understand all this, you spoke to a lot of people who were overweight and were able to, over time, through long processes, take the weight off. And what did you learn? Well, they all have one thing in common. Everyone did it for, a, for themselves. Like they had a rock bottom of some sort and like, I'm gonna do this because, you know, something happened to my mom or I promised, I made a promise to somebody or my life almost ended and I realized that, you know, such and such needed to happen. But it was always like everyone had an aha moment where it was very clear to them why they needed to do it. I mean, some, something happened, they were in the hospital and something happened and they realized that what they were doing was hurting them. I think they all really connected to that and stayed connected to it. And what's the next step for many of them after they hit that place, what comes next? Staying in the step that you're in. So it's like for, you know, not putting the pressure on, understanding that you didn't gain all the weight in, 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 in a short amount of time and, and taking the time to understand where it comes from, right? Weight is just a result of certain emotions that are going on inside of us. It's like any other disease, addiction, problem that we have, right? It's, just a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a result. And it takes time to change that, or you can't change that in a, in a day. And so I think it's changing from the, you know, the instant gratification of wanting it immediately to 
the patience and un- taking time to understand. I'm going to change my life here. I'm going to change my life here. I'm going to do it really slowly so it actually sticks. I'm going to understand why it's happening. And I think this is why, this is what moves me to do what I'm doing is because I don't think people have enough access to information that shows them what's possible when it comes to their health in a healthy way. Every, you, you, go to, you go to the store, every magazine on the shelf talks about you know, celebrities losing weight really quickly or gaining weight really quickly. So it creates this culture of like immediate need. You know, with social media, the pressure of like needing to look a certain way, there's an immediate need to have this thing, this validation and acceptance from others. I mean, it's a human condition and we need it. It's on some level, but we really can't have it until we truly accept ourselves. And, the, and, and, and it takes time and patience to work that and figure out what, what's, what, what's between accepting ourselves and what's, you know, what's preventing us from doing that. And there's things that you can do, actual things, right? You know, meditation and journaling and the visualization and all these things that you can do to really get, you know, conscious of it. So it's really about having an understanding of what put the weight on that allows you to take the weight off? Yeah. Or is it just some steps of, I'm gonna drink a lot of water today and I'm going to walk a certain distance today. How, how important are those things? So those things are actually extremely important, right? You, got, you, you need to be hydrated, you need to do exercise. But I, and I don't think there's a substitute, it's a yes and. You need to, you need to drink the water, you need to do exercise. And at the same time, you need to read books. You need to educate yourself. You need to watch documentaries about health. You need to you need to learn learn about these things, right? I mean, it's some of the stuff that I teach is you know learning about the things that you need to do, not only doing them, right? So it's like just one thing to change a habit. It's another thing to understand what the habit that you're creating is going to help. And I think they go hand in hand because the long term is to really understand it, right? Like the long term, go back to the scale analogy that you used in the beginning. The long term is to really get connected to the way food makes you feel. To know that if you eat a certain meal, you're going to feel a certain way and not necessarily measure yourself based on what the scale says, but measure yourself based on the way dinner made you feel last night. Oh, don't eat potatoes late at night because they make me feel really heavy and I can't sleep. So when you make tr- so it's an, it's an education process, right? Yeah, so if you see those potatoes as something that you've shared with your family, at a certain holiday every year since the time you're a kid and you associate those potatoes with fun and love and loyalty and song, it's very different from those potatoes make me feel heavy when I wake up in the morning. Right, because you think you have a strong, you have a good association with those potatoes. Correct. And I think that's with food, we create a lot of, I mean, we talk about this all the time, how we create a lot of, there's a lot of meaning behind certain foods because of traditions and families and celebrations. And if you want to eat a certain way and your family always ate pasta and you know pasta is not going to make you feel good and it's going to make you put on weight, then what do you do, right? Do you just not eat pasta? Because pasta you know, pasta means something to you. I think it's an interesting question because, you know, it's like you don't want to cut that away, but at the same time as you want to feel good. Yeah, but it's like what you're saying with your mom and the way she packed your lunches, like full of love. And, and yet, do you want to cut the love out? But you know what? My mom's eating more like me now, and she's lost hundreds of pounds. Wow. And she, now she calls me up. She's like, tell me more about that rutabaga you made. Or like, <laughs> oh, no. You know, here's a, here's a picture of me at the gym on the, on the elliptical. I just did 60 minutes this morning watching a movie. And, and, and so, like, there, she, she's learning new ways of expressing love. You know, she picked me up from the airport. I went, to go, I went home to visit my parents um, a few months ago, and she came and she brought me a salad, like a chicken salad with vegetables. And growing up, we, ne- we used- Salad was never on a we, table. Maybe in a bag, like, you know, just to have like a bag salads. That, you know, some, some, my dad loved vegetables and a salad in the bag, but it, it did a trick. I mean, no one ate it. None of us can, me and my six siblings, we rarely liked vegetables growing up. How long did it take you to go from 330 to 197? And maybe less, because you haven't looked on the scale. Yeah, exactly. And maybe a few pounds more. You know what? Either way, it's like... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You feel good. I feel great. Yeah, I feel great. And I, 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 it's, there's, there's a freedom that I feel just being in control. I'm feeling good. And not equating that to a number as well. There's a little bit of freedom in that as well. But it took me, it took me a few years. And there's definitely been like, you know, times where I've gained back 10 or 15 pounds over the years. It fluctuates a few pounds here and a few pounds there. But again, it's like things fit great. Thing, I, I feel great. 
you know, it's like, you know, back to that thing about walking into a room, you know, you forget or I forget, you know, what it was like to walk into a room and to think about or walk onto an airplane and think about, am I going to fit in the chair? You know, it's, or am I going to, or am I going to sit on that chair or I'm going to sit on the chair in the back so no one sees how the chair doesn't fit well or, you know, or feel like you're sitting in a meeting and the chair may not, you know, may not hold me. It's like you forget all those things. And I think those are the things that people that struggle with their weight are dealing with on a regular basis. There's like a lens that you see life through, which is, can be very different than most people. And so as, as you're going through this over years, what are the principal steps that enabled you to take the weight off? You mentioned understanding it through journaling, visualization, where you, you actually would take a photo mm. of somebody with a buff body and then take a photo of you and put your yeah. head over the buff body so that you could see it. Yeah, I, I'm so so. John Gabriel talks about this in his book, The Power of Visualization. He brings some science about there, you know, athletes who do this as well. But you have like a really strong visual where you f- you change the way you feel about yourself. It's less about looking like that aesthetically and trying to have that body, but more about how you feel about yourself because it takes longer for your brain to catch up to the way you actually look. So you you know, I can look myself in the mirror after losing 100 pounds, you know, six seven years ago. And I still see a big guy, and everyone, and to everyone else, I looks like an average, an average guy in, in, in average shape. You know, the visualization helps you feel the way you you want to feel, and that's the way to make you know long term changes. Anyways, is to actually feel those things. So if it's just like a, if it's just a mental thing and not like a full on you know bodily feeling, it's um, it's less powerful. So visualization is definitely one of the one of the hacks. And then you're changing what you're eating slowly correct yeah so the philosophy is add things to your add things to your diet diet oh, the, add the, things to your plan add things to the way you eat so if you like pasta and you used to eat pasta once a week with your family eat pasta but make sure you eat a really big salad with it first and try to get healthy pasta like try to make it like the, the healthiest version of pasta you can make and if you want to go crazy you can make it out of zucchini pasta noodles or you know or some sort of yam potato pasta noodles you know so don't take away, add. Yeah, because you need to love what you're doing. If you don't love, if you don't enjoy the process, it's not sustainable. Habits can't be created out of things that you don't enjoy doing or don't serve as a benefit. And so do you just become accustomed to adding more and more of the things that you know are healthy? Exactly. You add more and more things you know are healthy and the things that aren't as healthy naturally stop feeling as good. So you start saying, hey, you know what? I need to do I need to do, I need to, I want to eat a little bit more salad because I realize after I eat salad, I feel good. I feel, I feel vital. Right. So then you're like, maybe a little more salad this time and a little less pasta. And once you're on the right track, you're, you're building momentum. All of a sudden you see, you start seeing results. So it's not a yes or no, I'm on or off. On a diet, there's this mentality, I'm on or off, or, I, or I'm good or I'm bad. Right. I had a bad day. I had a bad day. I cheated. Like that, you know. Here, there's never a bad day when you're always adding because you're like, I never said I wasn't going to have any. Right. So you can just keep adding and adding and adding and eating what you do want. And by slowly substituting the vegetables and then pushing away the pasta, you're in a different place. Exactly. It just seems so simple in a way. And yet most people don't know it or do people know about this? Well, I think some people do. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors at play here. I think it's, um, it's a lot of things that we know and they're hard. They're, they're, they're not just because we know them doesn't mean we can implement them. So there needs to be a strong desire to want something different. Like the pain needs to be greater than, 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 than not having it. Right. If it's not, if there's not a real pain associated with eating pasta or pizza. Why wouldn't you eat it? You know? It's hard, if, unless you really know what you want and why you want it. Okay, and this is where the visualization and the journaling and all the understanding comes in because when you understand how you want to be, you make those changes. Yeah, you start acting in line with a person who acts like that, right? And do you start hanging around with different people because they act differently? Yeah, because you act differently. So you become the person who eats vegetables, you're naturally going to want to hang out in a restaurant where people eat vegetables, or you're naturally going to want to, you know, invite friends over for dinner that enjoy what, enjoy this, enjoy eating like this. And same thing, I guess, with working out. Now you're hanging out in gyms 
and now you're picking up friends who hang out in gyms. Exactly. Now, instead of your friends calling you over for football at night, you're saying, hey, I got to meet another friend tomorrow morning at the gym. So he's like, nah, I'm not going to go do late football and drink beer, you know, with my friends. I'm going to instead, I'm going to go to bed early. And I, and now you just start becoming that person and you start, you start living more aligned with that slowly. So, on a, you know, every time when I went on a diet, I was like, I signed up to CrossFit and I would do extreme workouts for, for, for a long time. And I was in no fit. I was in no shape to do those kinds of workouts. But I would go through a CrossFit class and lift tons of weight and try to, you know, try to muscle through it. But eventually something would happen and I'd be out. So then I'm, that's kind of like the in or out. It was black and white, right? It was not a consistent thing. But here, when you're not in or out with the gym, it's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna work out more. I'm going to be around people who eat healthier. And then all of a sudden things start to shift. So now you're moving your coaching or training to a different level. What are you doing now? Yeah, so now, um, now my, so, so the thing I care about it's creating more community connection for people that are struggling with their weight. I feel like it's a really big, I mean, for all people, but people that struggle with their weight, it's something that I feel like is, a, is, a, is the opportunity um, that I'm most, most excited about. It's not my struggle with the weight, it's that struggle with addiction around food, right? Just the, the out of controlness, the out of control feeling that you have around food. Like, why is it when you have a slice of pizza, you want another? Well, I mean, there's just there's, there's a few reasons, but you know, one is any in, in, in carby, sugary types of foods, they're naturally have an addictive component to them. You're gonna feel the craving and you're gonna want more because it feels good. It's also the anticip- anticipation of what that's gonna give you. So the excitement of having another slice of pizza gives, this, it's, it gives you, you know, a dopamine and you're excited about the fact that what it's the expectation of how you're gonna feel after you eat the slice of pizza. So there's the sugar that's playing against you because sugar is addictive. And then there's the excitement. So naturally, you're going to want more. So you, mo- I, feel like, I feel like most people have to deal with discipline when it comes to sugar. It's like only one piece of chocolate. It's like, I feel like, I don't know, when, when you eat sugar, how do you feel? Yeah, it's a, if, if I have an ice cream, I want another ice cream. So if you have one, how do you not have two? What, do you, what's going, what are you saying to yourself? I pretty well have to walk away from where the ice cream is so that it's not in the vicinity. And that is what allows me not to eat it. If I'm close by, I'll always want another scoop. And I wish, I don't know if that's discipline or if, if that's a sign of somebody who's simply not willing to change. Well, when you walk away, what are you feeling? You're like, what do you say to yourself when you walk away from the ice cream stand? So you have one ice cream. When I walk away, I feel good. Are you feeling good because you walked away? Like yes. you made the right you made the right decision. That's right. I know it's the right decision. Right. So 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 I think also like your relationship with with food can be different than somebody else's. Like my relationship to ice cream could be you know you can just be hey I'm enjoying ice cream at Sunday afternoon you know you, you know you're like hey it's, you know you want to walk into the ice cream shop and taste it because you're curious what it tastes like you're a curious guy right for me I'm feeling an emotional charge I will crave ice cream. So for me, the, the, the desire to eat more ice cream is going to be much greater. So also matters where it's coming from. So if for, for somebody who struggles with food addiction, they're naturally going to want to eat more because you're numbing something. You're running away from a feeling. Okay, so this, yeah, this gets back to so, why am I doing this? Right, so if it's to enjoy some ice cream and, she, and you struggle with the sugar addictiveness, that's okay because you can walk away and you're like, oh, I can wait five, 10 minutes and it kind of dies down and you have enough self-control and discipline not to have more. But somebody who uses food to medicate is not, you know, or numb, them, or numb something isn't going to be able to exert the same discipline and, and may just go for two and three and four until they don't feel the thing that they were feeling before. Well, which is why you just have to understand who you are. Yeah, it's, it's about it's understanding yourself and, you know, saying, hey, no ice cream for me. I'm just not a guy that eats sugar. And if I don't eat sugar, I'm fine. And now if I, if I have cravings, it may be an extra two or three cucumbers, the big ones, you know. Do skinny people have any understanding of what it's like to be heavy set? I think skinny people can definitely understand what it's like to struggle with food addiction. Because I don't think this, your size really will dictate. You can, you can be you can be a food addict and be skinny, anorexic, struggle with another you know food condition. No, but I mean, do 
Will skinny people, can skinny people understand overweight people? Can they understand what it's like to not want to be seen without a shirt when they're at the mm. beach? Can they understand that? Can they understand walking into a room and examining all the chairs with the fear that if they sit in one, it may break on them. Do we have, and, and I say, do we, like I'm skinny. I'm not really skinny. Oh, I lost a bunch. You're pretty good shape. I lost, I lost some weight. I, I did Joe's, Joe DeSena's Spartan races and lost at least 20 pounds. So, but I wouldn't call myself skinny. Yet I did not have an idea of what many people who are really overweight go through until I started talking with you and meeting some of the people you introduced me to. You know, a woman who went on the airplane and couldn't fit in the seatbelt. Yeah, I remember. And a guy in a car accident, not knowing if he could get out of the car fast enough before it exploded on him because he was just it was 400 pounds or so. Yeah. Or uh, the one that really blew my mind was the Chubby Chaser. <laughs> You're going to say that. Where there you were, love that story. Well, it, it, I had no <laughs> idea that there were women out there that would strategize on how to get their boyfriends obese and just make them heavier and heavier and heavier. You know, stories of powdered jelly donuts, like in bed. <laughs> it's like, and the, the women being skinny and beautiful, that they just had this fetish for, for over, overweight men. And what that must be like for an overweight guy to have a beautiful girlfriend and to feel, wow, look at me. And yet at the same time, she's basically asking himself, to eat himself to oblivion. I like I didn't know this stuff existed, but it obviously does because these stories are told. And that was the other thing that struck me was so many of the cases were completely different from the others. Like the, the chubby chaser was different from the guy who was given medication when he was a teenager and it it just went the wrong way. He had asthma and it just blew out his body and he could never recover. I mean, that's a little different from the chubby chaser. So it made me really reconsider how I viewed overweight people because there's probably very different reasons and causes, which gets back to why you're saying journal, understand yourself, why this happened visualize where you want to go. And then you can put in these steps, like drink a certain amount of water, be outside in nature when you walk, walk a certain amount of steps. Don't go too far where you're going to push yourself to a place that makes you feel, I don't want to do that tomorrow. Just go a little always, farther. Yeah, always stop before you're completely burnt out. Oh, you always left wanting to do it more, right? When you have fun. All these things that you advise are part of a long process that can be applied. And if it's applied, it's going to work. People will lose the weight and it'll keep it off. And so where are you taking this now? Yeah, I just want to add, keep, it's, it's, keep, lose the weight, keep it off. But more, more importantly, feel free, right? Feel free from that ice cream feel free from using the food as a crutch. That's the mental, the me, the mental process that goes on when you're using food to, to, as a, as to, to, to medicate yourself. It's exhausting because everything you're thinking about is, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat dinner. I'm going to do that. I should do that. I shouldn't do that. I probably should do this. Probably do that. I'll try this. And you don't get, it's a, there's, a, there's a crazy pattern of thoughts. And when you're, t when you, when you, I don't know, when the, the way I feel now with the way I eat is, all of those are silenced and the freedom that comes to that you have so much more mental space to think about other things and enjoy life in a completely different way so that's just just by on that point um but 
well, where am I going with that now? Uh, I'm creating a community of people who have lost weight to create frame of reference for other people who want to lose weight. You know, for me, I just, I just couldn't believe how, how this information wasn't easily accessible. And in, in, our, in today's society of like, you know, the Instagrams and, and, and Facebook, you can see people that are, are look great and just haven't really done necessarily the work. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's misleading in a sense as well. And so that what I'm trying to create is a community of a, a community that's built on authenticity and, 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 and shares the stories of people that have gone through the journey. And um, so everybody could hear the stories, see what people did in order to take off the weight and apply it themselves. Exactly. And where is all this going to appear? So, so right now I'm creating a summit online that I'm interviewing 35 experts around doctors, um, like Dr. Dean Ornish and a bunch of other people who have lost weight, 100, 200 pounds. This one guy, Tim, who lost 225 pounds, says he lost one pound at 225 times. I love that. Um, and um, it just like it's it's really inspiring to hear his story and hear all the other stories because they're all so different. And I think that people connect to different people, right? We all connect to different people, and um, we're much more likely to listen to somebody who's been through what we're going through. Right. You know, a doctor tells you your cholesterol's up, you're gonna you have sleep apnea, you have all you have these conditions, and if you do these things, they'll go away. You're like, ah, just give me the pill. It's, it's our it's our culture, right? We we're gonna we have a problem one thing we not we use an, we use another some other medicine to, to take care of it. And I think that um, when someone sees somebody else going through it, you have more trust. It's like ah, you know where I've been. We have this deep bond. Like you are also a hundred pounds overweight. You are also fifty pounds overweight. And you over not only do you overcome it, I can see myself see it possible for myself. I trust you now. You're not just a diet trying to sell me something, right? You're not just a diet trying to sell me something. So I'm, so, so there's a lot of people that are selling all types of, you know, weight loss and healing in many, in many, in many ways. What I, what I'm really passionate about is creating a community of people that not only want to lose weight or have lost weight, but also keep it off. Most people who lose weight gain it back over 95% of people who lose weight gain it back, which is crazy because if you think about it, close to 70% of the country is overweight or obese. So with ninety, with over ninety-five percent of people gaining it back, I mean the next, I mean the numbers are just insane to think about. So what I won't really want to spread the message about is how do we keep, how do we lose weight and keep it off and support each other in the process. So the summit's just one way of summit's just one way of getting the word out there for people who are struggling and lonely and don't have the resources and feel hopeless. They can see an interview, they'll see somebody that inspires them, they'll see a story of somebody, you know a guy, a woman who lost, you know, a bunch of weight, who changed your life. And now they see what's possible. They'll see themselves in that story and now they'll take action. When does the summit? May 6th. May the 6th. May 6th. May the 6th. And it's online? Online, reclaimyourbodysummit.com. Yeah, it's its own it's its own webpage. And it's the, it's just, it's just one way to share, share the stories and messages uh, and it's tied into something much bigger that I'm working on. So it's just, it's, uh, it's one vertical. How many people would you like to tune into this? Oh, wow. I mean, uh, anybody who's struggling, everybody. It's not, for me, it's not, it's, for me, that's less about a number than it is more about just getting it to as many people as possible. Getting it to as many people as possible struggling. If it's a, you know, a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old, a 60-year-old, somebody who's, you know, I interviewed this one woman who lost, you know, 55 pounds. She considered herself a food addict. And she lost it at like 59 years old. You know, I sent this, I sent an interview to my mom, the raw clip, just to show my mom. My mom's like, wow. Like all of a sudden I saw, I changed my mom because it wasn't me telling her what to do, even though she makes changes and things that I saw judge. it in somebody who did it. My mom went to Amazon to order this woman's book because, and she next day she's like, I need to order, um, I need to order Chef AJ's book. And I sent her a bunch of other interviews. They were all, they happened, the other ones happened to be guys. And she didn't connect as much to those stories. But a woman in her 50s. It made sense. She saw herself in her. She's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta know more about this woman. And it's the same thing with me and, you know, John Gabriel. I, when you see yourself in somebody, you think you can accomplish what they've accomplished. You wanna know more. And, and Chef AJ considers herself a food, a food addict. My mom clearly knows that she is one too. <laughs> 
So it's like, oh, this is interesting. So you've got a wide array of people who've gone through this, been successful, that people can connect yeah. with. Yeah, it's either they've gone through it or there are people who have gone through other, um, you know, some doctors who are, who are, who are really, um, who have come up with some really interesting things and helped lots of people in the space. Some athletes who have overcome, you know, a lot of mental, mental blocks in their career. Anybody who's, you know, so either, either someone who has come over with some mental stuff, because obviously with weight loss, it's a lot of mental, mental hurdles that you need to jump over. So kind of creating this, these voices for others to just be inspired by and just get, get make information more accessible. So last question, you've run successful businesses and you're starting this summit up so that people who are overweight and know the same pains you've gone through can change their lives. Is there a difference in the, in the two in running a successful business and starting a a business that almost doesn't seem like a business seems more like a purpose it's fun i i just love it so much um i i mean when i was i think when i think my motives have been different you know before in my in my other businesses it was all about making money and and finding opportunities you know and i, and I was I'm good at that and um, with this, it's just, it's changing lives every single day will really get you out of bed. And it really makes life, you know, like you said, purposeful and makes it meaningful. And the work I'm doing is just, it just I just feel like excited to see where it goes because it lights me up. Are you going to keep a list of all the pounds that gets lost because of your summit? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that'd be a great idea. I, I, we, we spoke about the idea of, um, we spoke, we spoke about the idea of, um, keeping track of, of of the people who've lost weight for how long the, the the time frame they keep it off for, which is interesting as well. But um, keeping it tracking the weight, you know, it's it's funny because I'm trying. I'm, I'm tr it's it's such a it's such a it's such a head twist to think about. It's like focusing on the pounds is such an easy way to help us understand, right? But where you don't we're holding, want to, you don't I, want I have, to do that. I I know that will get people to move the needle, right? But what really keeps the needle moved is not that. So it's kind of like a constant push and pull. Focus on the pounds. Don't focus on the pounds. Focus on the pounds, or focus on the community and the connection that people need to sustain the weight loss. Like really, the best way to learn about weight loss is to teach it. So if you look, if you lost a hundred pounds, go on and support somebody else who needs to lose a hundred pounds. So go teach them everything you know. You don't need to be like an expert to know how to help someone change their habits. You know, so it's it's kind of something I'm still figuring out in the process. Well, you're on your way, brother, to <laughs> doing a lot of good for this world because I know from you telling me the story of getting in the back of an Uber with a salad and looking up and seeing a, a driver who was very overweight and you got into a conversation and he looked back at the salad and it made him wonder. And the next thing you knew, he's asking you all these questions and finding out that you'd gone from a place where he was to the place where you are now. And the ride ended with a happy camper in the front seat uh, because he knew what was possible. Yeah. So I just wanna say thank you First of all, it's just great knowing you and seeing what you're doing makes me so happy. I was so delighted to sit on, on some of the interviews and see what people have really accomplished. And anybody out there who knows somebody who's heavy set and might be looking to lose weight, then check out that summit. You want to give the uh, email address again? Yeah, the, the URL is reclaimyourbodysummit.com. Very easy to remember. There you go. Check that out because this can take a lot of people to a lot of very good places. Yeah. And you're going to look as good as Mordecai right now. That's right. You can do it. 197 or less. 197 or less. That'd be interesting to weigh myself again and just do it in a way. Don't take out the scale. <laughs> you're doing fine. <laughs> That about wraps it up. 
Want to thank Tim Ferriss? Tim, you've done it again. If one person listens to this podcast, one, and goes to reclaimyourbodysummit.com, uses the reverse approach and takes weight off forever, it'll all be because of you, because you were the guy who pushed me to start this podcast in the first place. You're an inspiration. It's so great to have you in this world. Want to thank you all for sending in tips on finding companies that need help with their storytelling. I'm here for them. I can do deep dives to help them find their stories, workshops to help everybody in the company improve presentations through stories, and I can help create a storytelling culture that will push a company to higher ground. Very grateful for any advice on how to improve 100 companies through storytelling. Also want to thank my sponsors for bringing this to you. That means Sportique, the most comfortable threads you can imagine. Go to Sportique.com and use the offer code CAL for a 20% discount. You'll see why I'm wearing my Sportiques as I record these words. And WeWork makes me comfortable to have office space wherever I go through my WeWork Global Access Pass. Check out all kinds of space at WeWork. And if you go to www.we.co slash cal, you're going to get a 20% discount. That's going to make you happy. And it's going to make me happy because I'm going to be happy for you. Thank you all for listening. This podcast is becoming an adventure and I'm happy to have you by my side. So send a photo of the city or town where you listen to big questions. Maybe one day we'll clink glasses there. Maybe we'll clink too. Million Dollar May. Cheers. Cheers.